very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and we're welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview and all our material, go to our website at VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. And I'll say it again, Sanitas you can still subscribe and listen to three full seasons of life-changing topics. And any future Sanitas interviews will be coming right here. But all those that were recorded in the past belong to that website. So you're going to get a lot of great information in the next season. And if you want to get in touch with me, have a guest suggestion, want to be on this radio program, or simply have feedback, I always love to hear from you. Click on the contact button of our website. And tonight we break the mold a bit to introduce someone perhaps new to this audience. Perhaps you know him already. He has been a loyal listener and subscriber to both our radio programs and he and I have communicated for years. I have seen how he has transformed to a full-blown truth seeker and is now very much awake. We will discuss as many topics as possible in the next two hours. I'm not going to read his bio because I want him to share his story himself. Go to his website, deepinsidetherabbithole.com or ditrh.com for short, and become exposed to his research. You see, folks, you plant a seed of truth, and you never know how far it will go to wake up others. And I'd like to welcome, for the first time on Veritas, my friend, David Weiss. Hello, David, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hey, Mel, I'm doing great. So excited to be here. It's amazing. You know, when I first started listening to your show, I was like, one day I'm going to be on a show. I don't know what I'm going to be talking about. And that day is here, manifest. (laughs) Incredible, because for years, you have been giving me feedback about the shows that you listen to. And I've always noticed that they seem to just hit a nerve every time. And all of a sudden you started sending videos to me about many, many topics, Sandy Hook, the Boston bombing, flat earth, and you name it. And you're producing them in such a professional way. But first of all, for those who don't know who you are, and believe me, folks, you will know who David Wise is. If you don't know him by now, you will soon. Tell us your story. Just who is David Wise and How, when, where did you wake up? You know, I live right outside of New York City. um, And on 9-11, I was actually packing my bags that morning to fly out of LaGuardia Airport to Ohio. My uh, friend and uh, business associate was in Manhattan. And, uh, you know, the first uh, tower was on fire. And um, I called my friend up and I told him to turn on a TV. And uh, when he did, uh, supposedly the second plane hit. And the phone phone went dead, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be flying to Ohio. So um, I watched on TV for a couple of minutes, and then I decided to go down to the shore um, because I wanted to see it for myself because I have an unobstructed view of lower Manhattan. And what I saw was not what they were saying on the radio, um, and I couldn't explain it. And it really just got me thinking, and, you know um, – Probably a couple months after 9-11, I started looking into it and I started discovering things. 
And uh, it wasn't for like four years before I said anything publicly because it was such an emotional topic. And then, you know, from there, once you have your eyes open to something like 9-11, you start seeing other things that are just, you know, there to see that other people don't see. And uh, that's how it started. Very similar to me. It was 9-11. I was just, but the big difference is that I was following what I was told. And I remember back in 1990, 91, when the first Iraq war happened, I was just watching CNN and listening to what they had to say. But it was after 9-11 when I started looking into all these things because one of my relatives told me, look at the Pentagon, nothing crashed there. And I've always said it, I became offended. How can you say that our well-intentioned government would have something to do with this? But in silence, I started looking into it and this is where I am today. And now from 9-11, how did you progress to waking up to other, by opening other doors? You know, from 9-11, I looked into the, you know, the money, follow the money. And then I started looking into money and money itself is a scam. And then I discovered the Federal Reserve was a private bank, not a government run bank. And, you know, just from there, things started spreading. And and I had a a buddy who I worked with. I was in the corporate, uh, you know, world and in the lunchroom, him and I would start you know, we would we would capture everyone in the lunchroom and talking about the Federal Reserve and and, uh, you know, all these other conspiracies. And it started growing from there. We talked about 9-11 and, you know, within a year, we kind of blew up the whole company. Everybody was like asking questions. And then we decided that, uh, you know, we need to reach more people. And we came up with a concept for a podcast, which was called Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole, just like the website, uh, where it was him and I, the truth seekers, and we had a comedian basically to shoot down everything we say and insert as much ridiculous um, humor into it. And it was different. It was a different type of podcast, and it attracted a different crowd that might not listen to a more serious podcast. Um it went for three years and we ended it um, and it woke up a lot of people. We started getting a big following. And which one was the first topic aside from 9-11 and the Fed? This is something that even when I was in college, I, I, I learned and I asked my, my economics professors to explain how banks created money. And they really got mad when you started asking them, why, why is this entity a private entity which has no is not federal and doesn't have any reserves, they all of a sudden they can just lend us money, billions, trillions of dollars, and we don't have you the right to print our own bills? They they create it out of thin air and now they don't even have to print it. They just type in ones That's and right. zeros. You know, and people say, you know, they are they're trying to steal our money, they they want our money. They don't want our money because they don't need our money. They just want to take our money from us. So we have to work, you know, paycheck to paycheck and just focus on that and not look around. And they're doing an amazing job. People, you know, they go to work, they come home, they have a beer, they watch television on the weekends. They drink, you know, they'll, they'll drink more. They'll watch more sports. Um, you know, and then they go back to work and that's their life. And they think that they're free, but they're not. They we're working literally as a, uh, you know, as, as cattle. I don't think they want our money. I think what they want, there's people think that slavery was abolished. I think this is the nine to five paradigm. As you said, they keep us distracted with bread and circuses all the time and not enough time to to self-realize who we are. We're always distracted. We have to work so hard, two, three jobs. And at the end of the day, at the end of a lifetime, you retire, then you could become sick. There's plant obsolescence. You start taking pills and then done. The day you finish paying your mortgage, if you're lucky enough to do so, you die. Mel, it's uh, you said it. They want our energy. And what people don't realize, which is the really the hardest leap to take for the people that are completely unaware of the true nature of our reality, is that it is a spiritual, energetic war. Um, they want our energy. They they hold ritualistic events like 9-11, which was amazing. If you look at the the symbology and um you know, all of the all of the ritual stuff that was in 9-11, it was a 
ritualistic blood sacrifice. Whether people died or not is not the question. It's what people believed happened. And that energy is what they feed on. And people say, you know, oh, come on, you know, how could, how could the, how could they feed on our energy? Well, you know, you can make electricity from sunlight. That's energy that's converting. You know, people can't even explain how that's done. Um, but it's it's an energetic war. They want to keep us in a low vibration of fear so we do not connect with our true power and they can feed off of that. Um, and they want to keep us distracted with, you know, celebrity gossip and you know, mind programming, programming from the, you know, the idiot box that we call a television. Um, it, it's truly amazing. And the more you look into this, the rabbit hole gets deeper and deeper. The subliminal tube. Now, there's one topic that you and I have discussed for, for a few years now. And it's probably the, I would say, the most controversial topic I've ever discussed. I've seen people come and go. People who say, I'm not subscribing to you anymore. People have left their forum all mad. They have unfriended me. You name it. At the same time, others have joined. Other people have friended me to say, wow, I've never thought about this. Ever since I was in school, the first thing I see is a globe. And you know where I'm going with this, right? Nobody likes having their ball taken away, Mel. <laughs> exactly. When did you wake up to the flat earth. Yeah. So, so let's just jump back a little bit. Um, I was, uh, I discovered that, you know, when Sandy Hook happened and, uh, the Boston marathon, two complete total frauds, um, in the same way, different than nine 11, um, you know, Sandy Hook and Boston were complete, um, fakery and plays on nine 11 buildings got destroyed. Um, and, the number of people that died is nothing like they tell us. Um, but I decided that those three incidents, if I can wake anyone up to those three, because they affect most people in my area. I'm, I'm on the east, uh, northeast here. Um, once they wake up to one of those and there was so much evidence, um, they start seeing everything else. It's it's literally once you see something, you can see oh, a whole of a whole lot more because your eyes are open. And I called it exposing the big three. And I had a Facebook page called exposing the big three, which was exclusively to those. So on that and on the deep inside the rabbit hole page, people started posting, hey, check this video out. Flat Earth, flat Earth. Well, I did as most uh, of the people that you mentioned that, that left you and defriended you, I deleted them. I wouldn't even look. Watch this two-minute video. Won't do it. Didn't do it for months. I even banned people from our social media for repetitively posting such nonsense. And then um, somebody convinced me to watch a video. And I was like, wow, wow, that's interesting. And then I watched some more. And I watched Mark Sargent's Flat Earth Clues. And I watched uh, a couple more videos. And then I said to myself, oh, my God. I need to debunk this. And I dove in for two weeks, uh, day and night. I didn't, I was in between, uh, did you sleep jobs. for those two weeks? I did not. I went, I literally fell asleep with the computer on me. And then when I woke up a couple hours later, I'm right back into it. And after two weeks, I said, I know one thing for sure. We're not on a spinning ball flying through space. Um, and the earth sure looks like it's flat. And for the last two years, I've dug in. And the deeper I go, the more I know that we uh, live on a, a flat stationary plane. All the evidence points towards it. There's a preponderance of evidence. Evidence falls into a few categories. One, that works on a flat earth and not on a ball earth. Another pile would be that works on a ball earth, not on a flat earth. And another pile would be don't know works on both or I, we, it's indetermined. Well, guess which basket is completely empty. Which one? The ball. There's nothing that works on a ball earth that can be proven to be, to, to work on a ball earth. If you start looking at the mechanics of what they tell us about the, the, the spinning ball earth, it is the most ridiculous thing ever. Here's something which I which I admit freely and I shouldn't is I became a flat earther. You know, if, if that's a derogatory term, term you know, it, it describes what I what I am. And I believed in NASA 
And the only reason I believe the NASA is because I never looked. You never looked. Yeah, because, you know, we're trained from birth. We have mobiles over our heads in our cribs of planets half the time. Sesame Street, yeah. you know, all, all of the, the shows, they have spinning globes in them. You go to school, the teacher has a globe and it's, you live here and that's it. And you're also told, you know, in this religion of scientism that if you question this, you're a moron, you're an idiot, you're a fool and you don't even deserve an answer. And this is the problem, you know, just like you, I, I used to delete people's emails. Please don't, don't bother with this nonsense. Why? Because I've told it before. I used to collect globes. I mean, I remember even at my company years ago, somebody gave me a Tiffany crystal ball, which I still have. And I'm th now I look at it and I'm thinking, what was I thinking? And I, again, folks, I don't subscribe. I don't have any attachment to the ball to the oblate spheroid, or to the flat earth. But I want to look into it. I want to be able to prove decisively one day that we are or we are not here on this plane or planet. Because like you, you know, ever since I was a child, you know, you have at school, the globe, you go to the movies, you see universal pictures with this, you know, a little plane going around the globe. So cognitive dissonance is so preponderant on this, when it comes to this topic, that people just do not want to look at it, no matter how much evidence you provide. And if you look at the people who are discussing this topic, I mean, you, for example, you're obviously an educated person. I'm an educated person, I think. Some engineers that are out there talking about this, some people that came from the Department of Defense who are talking about this, pilots, surveyors, these are not dumb people who have a tinfoil hat and decided to talk about a new topic today. Mel, the, the flat earth is the most, uh, when I first discovered it, um, I didn't actually talk about it publicly on the podcast for uh, quite some time because I felt it would discredit all of the hard work I did on exposing <laughs> the big three. Exactly. And, and, and then I realized the truth is the truth. I cannot hide it. And I started talking about it. And man, the the outlash was unbelievable. Uh, people went crazy. But every day I get emails, I get messages of people saying, oh, my God, Dave, you're right. Finally, I see it. And uh, and they're digging in themselves. And, and here's the thing. Don't believe me. Don't believe you. Don't believe anybody. You have to look for yourself. But the, the thing is, with all of these conspiracies, and especially the flat earth, is it's not a fair fight the, uh, because it's truth versus lies. We're told to lie, and that's all you need to do. After you hear the lie, you can sit on your couch, you can eat your GMO potato chips, and you can stare at the TV, and that's it. But if you want to know the truth, you actually have to think logically, you have to spend the time, and you have to look and you have to formulate your own hypotheses, if that's a word. Um, you have, you have to form your own ideas about it. But what I'm finding today is that the, you know, the children and adults, they're fluoridated, GMO'd, vaccinated, chemtrailed. Their brains are, are, are calcified. And all they can do is look at screens. If it's not on their screen, they don't, they don't believe it or, or they, they don't make up their own opinions. If they see it on a screen, they'll either, oh, yeah, I like that. That's, that's amazing. And, they, and, they'll, and they'll fight for that. Or they'll see something and say, oh, I don't believe that, that, which happens also. But what they don't do is they don't watch 15 videos and read a bunch of articles and then think about it and come up with their own explanation. They don't put it together. They only um, – see and and can think about what's presented with them on a screen it happened to me today um it, you know where i was driving uh, i live right on the 95 corridor and i was going about an hour and a half up on 95 i know that i'm going on 95 and right where route 91 splits off they have done construction my whole life it's been one way but now the the they they switch opposite sides and the gps um hasn't been updated and my GPS told me to take 91 when I knew that I was supposed to go up 95 and I followed the GPS. And then as soon as I took the turn, I was like, wait a minute, this is wrong. And it's amazing the power of these screens that we stare at all day long. So you have to remember, don't believe anything. You have to look at things and then you have to think for yourself. 
truth is for those who seek it. And some people, just as that movie said, some people cannot handle the truth because it shatters their paradigm. And the problem is the paradigms are manufactured. And if you have to look at which, who's manufacturing these paradigms? Well, the mainstream media, the mainstream mediaopoly, they are the ones that are keeping this paradigm of division. What do we have these days? Democrats versus Republicans, Black Lives Matter versus versus All Lives Matter. And you can name every single thing that's making us divided. It's so simple. It is so obvious and in your face that their goal is so that we don't sit down, have a cup of coffee or tea, and talk with each other. Whether you are from the left, it doesn't matter. When you sit down and talk to each other, you'll find so many similarities. And when you join forces, that's their biggest fear. That's why they keep you separated. And their modus operandi is what? This subliminal tube, your, uh, your, your, your smartphone. Because as you said, without GPS, some people can go from here to the corner. Drop that. Use your, use your own mind. Think for yourself. That's so difficult these days. Even though during my time in college, I remember I had to go to the library and read books. I didn't have the internet at my disposal. And now all these people that have the internet at their disposal, they can't think for themselves. Man, I don't even know people's phone numbers these days. I have to find them on my cell phone myself. Right, right. The, the you know the thing is, um, it's so easy to program people because when somebody asks you a question or you uh, a situation happens, your brain in a billionth of a second or whatever the time frame is goes back and picks little pieces of information that relate to that, so you have a reference point. And um, you know, an example is on nine eleven. Just after the second tower went poof, um, there was a guy, the Harley shirt guy. Are you aware of him? What's his name again? The, the, well, we call him the Harley shirt guy because he's wearing a Harley Davidson shirt. He oh, came yeah, out yeah, of, nowhere. of course. One and of the actors. He, yeah, so he was an actor. And basically he said, he goes, I watched the whole thing. You know, uh, I watched the second plane ream into the building and come out the other side. Then the buildings collapsed, mostly due to structural failure uh, because the fires were too intense, Right. That is the most ridiculous statement, but he, it's trauma-based mind control. Everyone in the world, the largest audience on television in history to this very day was watching TV at that moment. That guy was fed on all the networks out there, and people were looking for an explanation of what happened, and he put that in their minds. Six months later – the fake NIST National Institute of Standard and Technology mm-hmm. that did the fake investigation came out with that explanation. And when people heard it, their brain pulled that piece of information out of their subconscious. They might not even remembered seeing it and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I resonate with that because it, they've been programmed because they were in shock. That piece of information went in and it was stored subconsciously, whether they remembered it or not. And that's how. Um, people accepted the ridiculous explanation that they gave us. Well, this was MK Ultra on an international basis that day. As you say, trauma-based mind control. When you're traumatized, somebody's beating you up, and they start telling you something. You internalize it, and you, you, you. It's very difficult to explain, but that's what happened that day. But uh, you know, going back to the flat Earth for a moment, I keep looking at these videos of uh, the Arctic or the Antarctic. Oh, look at 24-hour-a-day sun. But I'm always trying to look for the clock. And the clock always stops for about 10 to 12 hours. Have you looked into those videos? Are you talking about the Antarctic 24-hour sun yes, videos? Yes, correct. So I've uh, there, there's one where you know they supposedly film it you know with this auto camera. I completely debunked it. It's it's complete garbage. There's another one that has a fake sun going around. Both of these are obviously fake. Um, there's webcams in Antarctica, and we've looked at all of them. Um, you know, one of uh, one of the flat Earth researchers, Jaronism. Um, he, he has done, has been communicating with them and he wants 24 hour footage and they say that they can't provide it because there isn't 24 hour sun. They don't say that. Um, you cannot, the sun does not circle you in Antarctica like it does in the Arctic circle. Um, you know, on the flat earth, the, the north is in the center. And as the sun comes to its inner lower circle, um, you can see it circle you when you're inside a certain radius off the center north point. But when it goes faster and, and higher 
and uh, wider goes to the Tropic of Capricorn, it does not circle you. It curves away from you. And all the video evidence proves proves that um, the 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 webcams that they show, it'll go, you know, 10, 12 hours and then it jumps. They edit it and it goes right back. So they're not showing us. They're lying to us about it. Um, and there is no 24 hour sun in Antarctica. It is light in, in, in Antarctica for several reasons for a long time, but that's, that's a little longer discussion. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. This is one of those questions that I get all the time and it's difficult for me to answer. You know, I remember when I moved to uh, Northern California and, uh, in December by three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, it was already dark. And I remember going to Washington State, and by 10, 10.30 at night, we still had a little bit of the sun. How do you explain that? Say that, say that part again. You had, you had in, sun at what time? Washington. By you know, 10 p.m. at night, we still have the sun. In Washington State. Correct. Portland, Washington State, it's 9.30, 9.45, and you still see a lot of light. Right. And, and that works perfectly on the flat earth model because the sun, the sun is not 93 million miles away. The sun that we see is way closer than even most flat earthers believe. Um, and you only lose sight of things in the sky because they reach what we call the vanishing point, which happens very quickly. Um, you know, if you look at uh, a cloud, imagine one white fluffy cloud above your head, let's say it's 20, 30,000 feet in the air and you look up at it, it's at the 12 o'clock position above you. Um, you have to wrench your neck up to see it. It's straight above you. Now that cloud stays at the same height and it goes 20, 30 miles away. Um, it is now almost indistinguishable from the horizon. And when you look at it, you're looking straight across, across the flat land. So now imagine drawing a line from your eyeballs to that cloud 20 or 30 miles away. And you look at that line, that line from your point of view is perfectly parallel with the ground. Do you, do you follow me so far? I do. Okay. So now imagine somebody else is standing underneath that cloud 30 miles away. They have to wrench their neck up to look at it. And now imagine that they can see that line that goes from your eyes. They're going to see a line going from a cloud 30,000 feet in the air, sloping down at about a 45 degree angle to your eyes. Which one of those is the correct line? A matter of perspective. Yeah, it's a matter of perspective. And perspective is a big answer to what we see. You know, um, you know, people say, you know, ships go over the horizon. Well, that's completely been debunked. Um, some wild stuff happens as you go farther and farther out. There's, uh, there's amazing videos on my website, deep inside the rabbit hole on the flat earth pages. There's one called flat earth, no curvature. If you go through all of the videos on that page, which aren't that many, um, you will now understand that nothing disappears behind the curvature. You know, that cloud that I, that, that, that 20, 30 miles away, um, if that was really at the horizon due to curvature, we'd be looking at the underside of that cloud and there would be a wall of curvature 30,000 feet high to make it look like it was on, uh, you know, going over the curve. That's why it would be at the curve. It doesn't happen. You know, that that's it, it just doesn't happen. So from your vantage point, let's say we're standing at the shore and we look at the horizon. With what we've been told, that line at the end of the horizon should be how many miles? What what is the the the, the actual formula? You remember it? It's it's eight, eight inches per mile squared. squared. They say that we can only see three miles before the curvature takes over, um, and that's just not true. You know, if if you're looking at a, a boat sailing away from you, and supposedly three miles later it starts going over the curvature where you can't, you you're going to start losing the boat. It, it should disappear at some point, but it it doesn't work. Um, there's a lot of videos explaining this, but if you're looking from a, um, if you have two people that are ten miles apart, and one of them you can only see. Uh, three miles before something goes over the curvature, a boat's going to sail in between those two people um, and it goes over the curvature, it disappears, and then it reappears for the other person when it's three miles from them and continues. But now put somebody at a right angle to the middle and they're way up on a mountain watching the whole thing. You know, They're high up in the air and they can see the boat 
do a straight line all the way across and it never disappears. It never goes over an arc. It makes a straight, flat line. Nobody sees a curve because there is no curve. I spoke with the captain, a, a boat captain, a few weeks ago, and I said, hey, captain, how far away can you see a lighthouse? Oh, I've been uh, 80, 90 miles and I've been able to see it. Does that make sense in the, in, in the globe when it comes to the globe? No. What about the periscope from a submarine? Apparently, they can see as far as 70, 80, 90 miles away. How is that possible? 80 miles is over 4,000 feet of curvature, according to the spherical uh, model of a 24,000-mile spinning globe. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Even NASA um, says for their flight simulation to um, – Use to to use a flat, stationary, non-moving Earth uh, for their calculations, which means nothing to me because NASA is literally uh, nothing they do is real. Um, that that's we can get into that. Um, you know, I, and that was a hard one for me to buy. But when you look at it, everything they show us from the International Fake Station is complete <laughs> malarkey. Next time I see a, a land surveyor, you see you see them on the streets all the time with their yep. you know their their hard hat and so on. I want to stop and ask them, hey, by the way, whatever you're using there to look you know far away, are you factoring in the curvature? Let's see what they say. But what about these aircraft, for example? I always talk about these tin cans. You know, ever since the Wright brothers, we've had yes, better engines, better technology, but they pretty much operate the same. Same with rockets. Do you think? that the reason why some of these planes that depart, say, Santiago, Chile, all the way to Sydney, Australia, and they get there is because they're actually going faster than they're telling us? Absolutely. So that that's a big one. You know, the from Auckland, New Zealand to Santiago, Chile, on the Flat Earth map is the longest distance. You know, it's It's going completely across, and they're like, that's impossible. Um, but the plane that does the non – there's only very few nonstop uh, flights. There's only a couple of pilots that pilot them. The plane basically is on you know, doing everything itself, so I'm not even sure if the pilots know. Um, but they fly at a higher altitude. There are special planes. They have like seven layers of special paint. Um, I even heard that they need to be hosed down when they land. Um, there's all sorts of stuff, and we cannot confirm the route that they take or the speed that they go. So that falls into the undetermined pile. It doesn't prove either, and it doesn't negate the flat Earth. They, people call that the flat Earth killer. But you know, to believe that we can't go faster uh, than a plane did in 1960 is is kind of silly. I'm not sure if it was Amelia Earhart or somebody else. Uh, what was the other one that circumnavigated the, the, the globe uh, from the east coast of the United States to London? And apparently they kept quiet because that person arrived in London much, much faster. And something happened with that engine that we never saw it again. You know what I'm referring to? I I, I do, but I don't know the name. I've heard, I've heard what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm going to do more research about this because I've heard this story. Uh, maybe we've had this technology of a going, why do they keep it under wraps? What, well, first of all, the question that everybody who discovers this has, and even though those people who don't want to look into it, is why? What's your opinion of the why, the secret to the flat earth? So that's, that's something that it comes to when, when we're uh, debating with people that are first discovering this and they get, they get emotionally upset. It, it is, it is upsetting. And I want to actually discuss why that happens. Um, but they eventually say, um, well, what does it matter anyway? It's not going to affect my life. I still have right. to go to work. You know, um, that is the most short sighted, uh, you know, um, short sighted, non non thinking answer ever it's like stockholm syndrome almost um where you know the reason that they're hiding the flat earth from us is because it is they don't want us to know that there's more out there that the re there's resources out there um that we are not a, a an, inf in, uh, an insignificant speck flying through uh an ever um you know, increasing in size universe with trillions of other planets out there and life all over the place. And it just makes us insignificant. Mel, my whole life, 
Um, I was never religious. I never bought into um, God. I, I believed in evolution. Um, but after discovering the the flat Earth, and it had nothing that it was. It's not a religious thing. People say, oh, it's a it's a you know it's a religious thing. That's not it at all. After I saw it, I realized this were not a random chance. This was intelligently designed. Do I know what God is? I, I don't know. I've never seen God, um, but something intelligently created this, and that's changed my whole outlook on the world. You know, it and you know one of the simple things is. If everybody realized that the earth was flat and it was intelligently designed, it's kind of like having a traffic cam on a traffic light. You're less likely to do something bad when you know somebody's watching. And people literally, when they discover the flat earth, they become a little nicer. I think I've been nice my whole life, but it really makes me see that we're all connected. And, and this is a much bigger game than we realize. Well, the metaphor I like to use just imagine, folks, that you are a hamster or a mouse, and they put you inside of a cage. They lock the door, and then you first thing you start looking at is, you know, where are the doors? Where are the exits? And you realize that you're trapped, and you have your little mouse wheel, your water dripping, and your food. And day in, day out, that's all you do. And I think this is the equivalent of what we have here. If we so, are on, on a cage and we realize that in order to leave, we would have to go to another, say, planet. We would have to use technology like a rocketry, which most, most people don't have the financial wherewithal to do that. But if we are living on a plane and then behind those, let's call them an ice wall, if you will, we have other puddles. Just for, I can't find a, a better term. And there are other puddles out there with people like us probably questioning the same thing then you have a door. Perhaps there are other civilizations out there that are more advanced than us that we could learn from without having to leave this planet into quote-unquote space. Well, space is fake. We'll get into that shortly if you like. Um, the, I was going to say, the, um, you, oh, you talked about the, uh, the ice wall and the ice shore um, and, and being in a cage. Um, this is a, an explanation Mark Sargent, who did the Flat Earth Clues, um, uh, says, he's like, you know, if you have a lion and you keep him in a small enclosed area, he's going to not be happy. But if you put him in a safari park that's, uh, you know, uh, 20 square miles around, um, he's fine. He's happy. And if he ever comes to the fence, he'll just turn around and go the other way and that'll be the end of it. But no matter how big the fence is, if humans find that they're in a fence and there's something on the other side, there's no stopping them. Yep. And that's what happened down in 1959 or whatever when they were in Antarctica. Um, and I believe that's when the the powers that be discovered um, what's down there. You're talking and about Emerald Bird? Yeah, Admiral Byrd. Now, the whole Admiral Byrd thing, I don't know if that story is completely true, but um, I, I think I, I believe it is. I don't have proof that it is. You know, people say, you know, well, he's a Freemason and, and it's all part of it. Um, I think that that might be true, but he discovered stuff that he didn't know and he spoke out about it before they could stop it, before they could stop him. Um, and it, so they discovered that. And so now they put the fence around us. They have the Antarctic Treaty, 140 countries or whatever, um, say that nobody can go there. Nobody can explore. No corporations, nothing. The only people that can go there, lots of people go to Antarctica. Don't get me wrong. But they only go to two locations, guided. They can't explore by themselves. I believe that the planes that fly there don't have windows, which is uh, – I, I heard that. I'm not 100 percent sure, so don't hang me if I'm wrong. Um, I just find that very odd. Um, and – and you mentioned the ice wall. People, you know, I don't believe in this ice wall. Well, there's tons of pictures of the ice wall, but I don't call it the ice wall. I call it the Antarctic ice shore. Um, and, and people, you know, the, one of the first responses to the flat earth is, you know, why doesn't the water spill out? Well, my question is, why doesn't the water spill out of a lake? Imagine a big circular lake with a bunch of islands in the middle. And the shoreline, that shoreline and all the land and all the directions past that shoreline is what we call Antarctica. Um, and so there's a lot more there. Um, and, and that's how the flat earth is. So the water doesn't spill out because there is no edge. And we are told that we can't go past that shoreline. 
Well, I remember the video while I wasn't alive, but I've seen the video where they're interviewing Admiral Byrd, I think it was in the 1950s, and they're asking him what he saw, and he was saying, we found so much resources, it's just incredible. Oil, it could be oil and so many other, so much material there. And the question is, everything, everything that we have ever discovered, we have commercialized. You know, the plane, we commercialized it immediately. Uh, cars, you name it. Whatever discovery we've had, uh, health, uh, you name it. Same thing. If we find resources, say oil or exploration for fill in the blanks, we would be there. Exxon would be there. Big companies would be there. Nobody is allowed. And the question is, is there an exterior, exterior force that's preventing us from doing this? And this is why they said, whoever they are, You need to have an agreement so all the countries can protect this wall because you cannot cross this because if you do, things will happen. Absolutely. You know, and people say, well, well, you know, other countries would rat us out. You know, other countries have space programs. They're all in on it together. You know, the, there was no Cold War. That was just to keep us in fear. Um, that's another thing that we should talk about, too, is the threat of nuclear war, which is a joke. Um All of this, all of the all of the stuff that we see as wars and conflicts, there are some conflicts out there. I'll give you that. But all of it is just a stage. It's all it's all faked. Let's let's discuss the, the lack of nuclear weapons in a moment. But, but let me stay here for a moment and speculate about something. We, we refer to the puddles, right? Imagine mm -hmm. if there's a puddle next to us that has modern civilized world with great technology and weaponry if they need it would they want to be in touch with us they look at us and they see the way not you and i but the way the the powers that want to be behave and the warlike mentality that we have and the hunger and the corruption would they even want to interact with us if i were them i would say keep to yourselves don't even cross here Mel, that's an argument that they use when they talk about space aliens, you know, that with advanced civilizations and and when they come here, we're primitive to them. And that's what we were taught. And everyone believes it. Star Wars, Star Trek, you know, all of the movies about that. Um, but think about this. What what's more likely that that these uh Aliens, and there's a difference between aliens and extraterrestrials, are traveling, you know, incomprehensible distances. You know, light years are just a uh, – uh, they're not real, um, but they're coming all that – or they're coming from maybe a 15-hour flight on a conventional next jet. Next door. Yeah, next door. I mean we can – I believe that we're actually flying to these other lands. Um, you know, the elite uh, have the ability to go there. Perhaps, you know, the millions of children that disappear every year are being taken there to repopulate these lands in a new, in a new world. Or who knows what's going on over there. But it's right over the border. People say – Aliens are, you know, spirits and demons and, you know, um, and or from outer space. I look at that, you know, aliens are a whole nother thing. They could be multidimensional. They could be spirits and stuff. I, I do believe that there are entities um, that we can't see that affect our lives. Uh, absolutely. But when you talk about extraterrestrials, humanoids, well, those are people coming from the extra territory that is beyond the Antarctic ice shore. I call them extraterrestrials. They probably speak English for all I know. <laughs> well, it makes you wonder. All the different, not races because we're the human race, but all the different ethnic groups, languages, all were placed here. I wonder if we're really, we're really a laboratory here to see how we could behave. But when we think about, again, the other puddles and then we... I think of what the words, the words from uh, Dr. Werner von Braun told to Dr. Carol Russin about the last car, the extraterrestrial invasion. I mean, recently you saw it in the news where President Obama is talking about space weather coming our way. What could he mean by that? You know, they are they are really leaning towards this fake alien invasion. You know, but what's funny is the people that are asleep, if they hear us talking about, you know, that the government is planning a fake Uh, alien invasion. They would call us crazy. Yep. But on the other hand, they believe in aliens. And if it happened, they would believe it's real, you know, which which is it's right. just 
so frustrating for me to, to hear these arguments about it when they don't even understand the heliocentric model that they're defending so desperately. And I mentioned it before, and I'd like to say it, is the reason people defend uh, the heliocentric model, even though they don't know it, is because we spend our lives trying to feel safe. We, we construct a world around us with our friends and our understanding of everything to make us feel safe because everyone wants to feel safe. You want to have a home where you can be safe and you want your world and your environment to be safe. Um, and you, you know, especially mothers and fathers, you know, for their children, they want to build a safe world. Well, part of that world is all of the stuff that we believe about planets and all of the other nonsense once you look at it. And then when somebody comes to you and says, hey, by the way, the earth is flat and all of space is fake, um, you're destroying their world. Yeah, and, and your subconscious will fight. And when, 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 uh, when you're confronted or I'll say cornered with a, 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 with a piece of information that you can't explain, you will make up the most ridiculous answer and believe it to be true. It's unreal the the explanations that people make. Here, let me let me throw a couple examples out there. What people believe. You ready? Ready. Okay. So the sun is this giant ball. Um, I forget how many times bigger than Earth, but its gravity is holding Earth into an orbit. So as Earth is flying at the perfect speed, it's falling around the sun and it's making this uh, circular or elliptical orbit. We're told it's elliptical, but for this explanation, it doesn't matter. Correct? So the gravity of the sun is holding the Earth in this orbit. Agreed? According to the heliocentric model. So the moon, which is uh, 240,000 miles or whatever from the Earth, is close enough to the Earth that the Earth's gravity can hold on to the moon. But meanwhile, the moon is going away from the sun, around the Earth, and back towards the sun, and it doesn't ever speed up or slow down because the sun's gravity doesn't affect the moon. Does that sound plausible in any way, shape, or form? No, but what causes the tide variations? So the tide variations um, are a more of an electromagnetic uh, feature. There's, it's been speculated that the moon has a, uh, a wake that as it, as it goes around, it is actually with an electromagnetic force of some sort is pushing the water. And it has been demonstrated that you can, uh, you can move water with um, a magnetic or electromagnetic force. Um, it's not the gravity of the moon that pulls on things. It, 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 it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't hold up in weight, but the moon sure does uh, affect the tides. You know, you know, when the, when the moon is full, we have these higher tides, but when the moon is a new moon, it's a much lesser tide. You aware of that? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why is that? The moon's still there. It's just not reflecting sunlight. Why would the tide be any different? And the answer is, is because the moon is not reflecting sunlight. You know, we're told to believe that the sun is 93 million miles away. Its light is coming, hitting this dirty, dusty, dark, you know, gray and dark brown moon um, and reflecting so bright that it can leave a shadow on a full moon night and you could read by it. That's that in itself is ridiculous. The moon emits its own light. And that uh, I think that the sun is actually the angle of the sun to the moon is actually lighting it up like a Tesla coil would light up a, a fluorescent bulb. And that electro that um, the more the moon is lit, the more of this electromagnetic force is coming down on the earth. And that's what's pulling the tides um, more so or, or not. It also affects us, you know, moon on, on full moons, people become loony, lunatics, lunar, you know. It, it, it's it's an electromagnetic force. It's not the magic G gravity. And this is proven. I've talked to first responders, police, emergency doctors who say it is true. Nights, a full moon, we see more people than usual. But I remember when I spoke with uh, Sophia Smolstrom a few, a few weeks ago, your, our mutual friend, and she was telling me that the moon takes life, the sun gifts life. In other words, the the the, the sun is a antiseptic and the moon is septic. Did you look into that? 
Absolutely. I've talked to Sophia uh, quite often and uh, we collaborate on on uh, stuff all the time. And she she keeps me in check and I keep her in check, too. She's a very, very <laughs> smart woman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the moon, she she spells it out really well. You should check out her podcast. Anyone that doesn't know SophiaSmallStorm.com. I'll give her a little plug there. She is she she comes up with amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. So so just going on the, on the heliocentric model, we're told to believe uh, they they tell us that um, Polaris, uh, the, the North Star, is uh, between. Um, hold on, let me pull up the number here. The Polaris is between 350 and 450 light years away. Okay, this is one of the most important stars that we have out there for navigation and everything. Um, it's 350 to 450 light years away. Do you know what the difference between 350 to 450 light years is? It's 600 trillion miles. So the official story can't place Polaris inside our little galaxy 600 trillion miles. Okay, people have no idea what that number even means. You know that one trillion seconds is thirty one thousand years. <laughs> right? Yeah, but when, when it so, comes to Polaris, that's one of the, the the. I mean, when you see the, what do you call it? Uh, the uh, the cameras that they use. The, the the you see the almost like a record at night. You see it just going around uh, time lapse photography. Time lapse. Yeah, star trails. Correct. So that's another big flat earth, uh, you know, debate is how can there be star trails in the south when they're, you know, and they go in the other direction right, in the south. Um, and I have, a, I have a, a, an answer that partially answers that. Um, and it's all, it's all about perspective. I can draw a little mental picture if you want and take about a minute or two. Um, you're looking at Polaris. You're, you're standing, uh, anywhere. You're, you're, you know, you're looking to the north and you see Polaris and, it's it's imagine that Polaris is the center point of a spinning, you know, like a, a big spinning disc above you. And you see the stars going around Polaris bigger and bigger. And so if you're looking and it's spinning clockwise while you're looking at Polaris. Right. So they come across Polaris from the left to the right and then they go around. Right. I'm, I'm just it's probably the other way. It, does, it doesn't matter for this demonstration. But. And make those circles bigger and bigger around Polaris. So now they're going behind you. You're still looking at Polaris and the circles are getting bigger and bigger behind you. Right. You with me? Yeah. And now turn around and look at those circles and they're going the opposite direction because you turned around. It's that simple why they go in another direction. It's because you turned around. People say, you know what? Uh, if you take a picture of the moon from Australia versus in North America, it's upside down. That proves that the earth is a ball. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. Imagine this. You're in your room. Get a get a, a, a circle and put it on. Draw a smiley face on the ceiling. Go to one end of the room where you're looking at the smiley face and it's facing the eyes are near you and it's smiling at you. Now walk to the other side of the room and turn around and look at the smiley face. Mm -hmm. It's now upside down. Okay, your you, your room is flat, and and that's that's how it, it works perfectly on a flat Earth. But again, that doesn't prove the Earth is flat. It works on a ball also. But we can talk about the flat Earth till. The cows come home. We can continue. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we can continue having engineers and very, very prolific people discuss this. And I never get tired, really, of listening to what they have to say. Any new ventures? But you know, I'm looking at, for example, looking at uh, the Smithsonian. There's information out there that says that at the beginning of last century, they destroyed skeletons. And skulls of giants. And it makes yeah. you wonder, why are they trying to keep this away from us? And recently we saw a, a video called There Are No Forests on the Flat Earth. And I started looking into this. And my, again, this is just me, my humble opinion. I think at one point in our history, there was such a preponderance of oxygen that life as we know it today was totally different. And I think that we're experiencing that today. When you go to a, the Everest, a Mount Everest, or you go to a country that is really, really high, you have a hard time adjusting for a day or two. I think this is what we have now. And this is why we live less now. And maybe hundreds, if not thousands of years ago, there was so much oxygen on this planet, 
and perhaps even more trees, that we could live longer, we could have powers that we can't even imagine. Because imagine, you try to, to deprive yourself of oxygen, you can't even think, you stutter, but imagine if you had so much oxygen, how life would be different. It's uh, th- th- I have a whole page on the website called No Forests on Earth. There's that video on there um, in two different versions of it. And then a bunch of other further research that has come out since then. Um, in that video, the, the original maker, a Russian fellow, um, he claims there was a nuclear war. Um, he also uses a size, a width and height ratio to determine the height of these trees. I don't believe he's correct there. I think when you get into these gigantic trees, the, the width height ratio changes dramatically. So he says some of those trees were 60 kilometers high. Um, but I think maybe there were only 10 times as high as the canopy of the rainforest, or maybe they were a half a mile high or a mile. That would be amazing. And there's a lot of evidence that is coming out showing that this was the case and that we lived, uh, you know, where we live um, was a, a very different, beautiful place. Maybe this was Atlantis and it was destroyed. Like a Pandora like planet? Perhaps, you know, there, there's so much, you know, uh, old texts and stuff, you know, and that show um, that show, you know, giant trees, you know, there's movies, you know, Avatar that show these giant trees spread out. And and, uh, you know, there's evidence that, you know, in in the forest, there's mother trees that that are connected to all of the other trees in the area. And they and they all work and communicate together. Um, you know, the ancients, uh, you know, the, the Native Americans, they talk, they, they always tell you to, you know, to talk to trees and, and, you know, the tree will give you the answer that you're looking for, that they hold the wisdom of the world. Um, they are deeply rooted. You know, there's, there's so many things, um, that point to this past that is hidden from us. Makes you wonder how much of the movie Avatar was real in our past, but, the you know, truth in the movies lies in the news. That's right. That's right. But we'll take a, a one and only break soon. But before the break, I wanted to ask you this with what I was saying, all the prolific people who are coming and, and discussing the flat earth. Yes, we can talk about this till the cows come home. But how can we really, really find out for ourselves? There are people out there with a vast amount of money. If I were one of those people, believe me, I would find a way to find out, wouldn't you? Well, um, some of the flat earthers that I collaborate with are in communications with some beyond extremely wealthy people that know that the earth is flat. And I'm hoping that uh, they step forward and throw some money at something that we can do to prove that it's flat. Let's well, let's leave the question for the, for the next segment. Let's let's say that these wealthy people, and I know a few of them, who they are concerned that if they come forward and say, I want to fund this expedition or you name it, that the powers that want to be will clamp down on them and they're concerned about their livelihoods, their families. But if, let's present a scenario, if we find out one day that we have been deceived and the powers that want to be finally say, yes, we were... The, the the people in the past were right. For the last three, four, five hundred years, we were wrong. What would that do to our paradigm now? Let's discuss this when we come back. And we have so many other topics, not only Flat Earth, folks. We have a lot of topics to discuss with David Wise. David, how can people learn more about your work? You can just uh, find go to my website, deepinsidetherabbithole.com, where I, coll- where I uh, bring together other people's work. There's some of my work on there, but it's mostly other people's work that I've taken the time, you know, to to uh, put together, you know, 9-11 videos. I, I think I have five pages on 9-11, the Pentagon, you know, the no planes theory, um, you know, um, all of that stuff. So if you're trying to wake somebody up, show them, you know, ask the question, say, hey, check this video out or check this website out or link them to a specific page. Um, it. it you know, if you go on YouTube and you search 9-11, there's millions of hits. You search Flat Earth, there's 14 million videos now. I've taken the best stuff and put it there. So if somebody wants to take the time, 
they can go there and find the videos and make up their own minds. Don't believe, no. And you have no idea how many people I <laughs> I get emails from that they say, wow, I'm a believer when it comes to the flat earth now, but I have to keep quiet. So many people just talking about this in silence. But when we come back, we have Sandy Hook, Boston bombing, the Orlando shooting, the, the Bataclan attack in Paris, uh, vaccine scam, Zika virus, and all these designer uh, viruses, Gaddafi. When we think of Gaddafi, we think, oh, we killed the terrorists. No, the Brussels bombing, Charlie Hebdo. I mean, you have this, you're discussing so many things, and I'm not sure if this show is going to air before or after the election, but, you know, maybe after we discuss in part two, we'll decide. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first segment of this very important Veritas interview. If you enjoyed it and wish to listen to the rest, go to veritasradio.com, click on members or subscribe, or tell someone else who will enjoy this and all our radio programs. If you are listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store, where you can purchase pure organic sulfur, USB drive with all our shows and much more. Now, we'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and I'll see you in the Veritas member section. Enjoy. Enjoy.